Good morning, NFL fans, and welcome to another edition of Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We have another exciting episode on our of our podcast this week, presenting Week 14 news and highlights from the games on Sunday. We're going to start with the Sunday night game. The Detroit Lions go into Green Bay and face the Packers, the NFC North uh, division leader. And the Lions were trying to knock off the Packers at Lambeau Field for the first time since 1991. You can believe that. 20 straight games the Packers have defeated the Lions at home. And it would become 21 straight as the Packers won this game 27-20. to Something that really stuck out to me in this game, the, the thing that stuck out to me the most while watching this, was the Lions' ability to rush the ball, to run the ball, in the first half. And if you look at the breakdown of what happened in this game, Detroit jumped out to a 14-0 lead early in the second quarter. And they were running the ball very effectively to start this game. They came out, uh, for those of you who don't know, Detroit throws the ball more than anybody else in the NFL. Actually, Matt Stafford is probably going to set um, a record for most pass attempts in a season. At least he's on pace to to, to uh, break Drew Bledsoe's record of 693. Uh, Stafford is on pace for over 700 pass attempts. Have 45 in this game, which actually seems like not that many for <laughs> for the Detroit Lions. Um, but to start the game, Detroit had balance, and and not only did they have balance, they were effective in running the ball. And I say it every week. When you can run the ball, you have more options in the passing game. The passing game, it becomes easier to pass when you have a good running game. And your your offense is just clicking on all cylinders um, it, when you can get both the running and passing game going. It opens up play-action pass and many other things um, that Detroit was working so well in the first half. And the turning point in this game was Detroit was driving... Uh, was around midfield in Packer territory. And Matt Stafford went back for a very innocent uh, pass attempt. The ball just simply slipped out of his hand. Uh, you know, it was snowing in Green Bay on Sunday night. Uh, wet wet ball, wet field conditions. Um, Stafford, I believe, wears gloves. Obviously, the ball just plain slipped out of his hand in his th- while he was in his throwing motion. Stafford tried to jump on the ball and was unable to. And Green Bay scooped it up uh, and ran it all the way back for the score um, to make it that that at that point made it 14 to 10. That was the the score um, at halftime. Uh, Detroit was still leading, but you know they they really dominated the first half, really dominated the first quarter, um, but did but. Were, were, was definitely the better team in the first half, and you could argue was even the better team overall in the whole game. Uh, Detroit outgained Green Bay by 98 yards, nearly 100 yards total. Uh, got 10 more first downs than Green Bay did. They did turn the ball over two times, Green Bay once. Time of possession, Detroit 37 minutes they had the ball. 
Um, so, so a few of these stats, uh, 264 passing yards for Stafford, completed 60% of his throws. Uh, as I said, the Lions did, had had a pretty good running game, 49 yards for both LaShore and Bell, uh, Joaquin Bell and Mikel, uh LaShore. Mike Thomas had a couple good carries, but the running game disappeared in the second half, and the my stat sheet that I get on Yahoo for every week's uh, show doesn't break down the stats by half, but if you're watching this game, they put up a graphic about Detroit's running in the first half versus the second half. It, I believe they had over 100 yards rushing in the first half, and in the second half it was much more Detroit-like, 10 to 15, maybe 20 yards max on the ground. And in a half where you outplayed your opponent by a lot and only led by four, uh, you lost the balance in the second half. Therefore, the passing game wasn't effective. Aaron Rodgers got going. He didn't throw a touchdown in this game. He ran for a touchdown. But um, you know, Green, you can't hold Green Bay's offense at bay the whole game. It's very, very difficult to do anyway. Um, and they got going in the second half. I think it would have been cool to see Detroit finally win in Lambeau, uh, especially for this 4-8 and eight team. I think it's just a story for Detroit the whole season. Uh, they've struggled and had a lot of close games, and they've lost a lot of close games. This team was 4-4 four and four at one point, have now lost five in a row, have fallen to 4-9. Uh, I don't see too many major changes. Honestly, I didn't think they were a playoff team to start at the beginning of the year. I, I thought last year was a little bit of a fluke. Think about, they started last year 5-0 and oh, and finished 10-6 and six, and then lost a playoff game. So they really lost five, they, they only went 5-7 and seven after a 5-0 and oh start. Then add this year to that, let me do some quick math. They're 9-16 and 16 in their last 25 games. Not a very good <laughs> win percentage there. Um, so I think that's uh, an interesting stat. But flipping to, to the Green Bay side, uh, this is a game that they, they really they needed to win. Now, obviously, they can drop it and, and still make the playoffs, but Chicago lost today. We'll get to them in a little bit. Uh, they lost to Minnesota. Uh, this, is a, this was a chance for them to get another game on Chicago. They play Chicago next week, so they can get another game and the, and the sole possession of the tiebreaker with the win against Chicago uh, in Chicago next week. But this was an important game for Green Bay. Uh, it's It's got them uh, back on a roll after the uh, slight debacle against the Giants two weeks ago. And I think it proved something that they were able to beat a team that has a very good pass rush. Uh, I think going into this game, even though Detroit's 4-8 and eight and you know Green Bay is 8-4, and four, Division rivals is always going to be a heated game, but Green Bay does not match up well against a team with a good pass rush or a team that can get pressure on the quarterback with four guys. And we saw that against the Giants two weeks ago on Sunday Night Football. And and I, Chris Collinsworth and actually myself included thought that we could see that against Detroit. We we did see some pressure on it and Rodgers at times. Uh, obviously, like I talked about, the Lions had an effective offensive game plan coming out at the beginning of the game, establishing the run, but that didn't last, and Green Bay was able to prevail in this game. 
Packers 9 and 4 as I said they now have a, a one game lead over the Bears who are 8 and 5 and the Bears have already lost once to the the Packers and are going to be playing they will be playing each other in Chicago next week. Moving on to a 4 o'clock game, uh, the game that I watched was the New Orleans Saints visiting the New York Giants. The Giants defeated the Saints 52-27. to Obviously a lot of scoring, but the thing that stuck out to me in this one, David Wilson. An incredible day returning the ball. Um, kind of a forgotten first-round pick. Uh, for most of the season, he fumbled a ball uh, in the first game of the year against the Cowboys, and Tom Coughlin put him in the in the the doghouse, and he hadn't really left, uh, but he he had been returning kicks, and Sunday he uh, definitely proved that he belonged on that football field, uh, returning one uh, kickoff for a touchdown, and then rushing for two more. Uh, in the backfield had 100 yards rushing on the day 13 on 13 carries had a well over 100 return yards closer to 200 return yards if I'm not mistaken overall this is another stat that Yahoo doesn't have so I can't give you the exact numbers but overall in returns that in in return yardage which includes punts kickoff returns return yardage on fumbles and interceptions which the Giants got four of. The Giants had 400 yards just from returns. And David Wilson, obviously a big part of that at coming out party for the rookie from Virginia Tech. That's hard to, to, come, to overcome as a defense or as a defense for the Saints or as an offense. You give up that many yards just on returns. Like I said, they turned the ball over four times. Drew Brees is now tied for the league lead in interceptions. Who would have thought that that perhaps the loss of Sean Payton has such an effect on this offense and Drew Brees as a whole? I think Drew Brees has tried to force things down the field. The defense is, is obviously not as good. The running game isn't as good. They don't really have much of a running game this year. Uh, New Orleans gained 487 yards on offense in this game uh, and outgained the Giants Pretty close to 100 yards. The, the Giants got 394 total yards. But, like I said, you turn the ball over four times, you give up big special teams plays. It's not even a close game. 52-27. to 27. It did get a little close in the late in the third quarter. It got interesting. Going into the fourth quarter, actually, it was 35-27. But uh, the Giants scored three more times, and uh, the Saints didn't score again. So, I think it's safe to put New Orleans to bed now. They're uh, they're five and eight. Eight losses pretty much puts them out of contention. I'd say for the playoffs. Uh, had thought that they had a shot at one a few just a few weeks ago. They were five and five, but now at five and eight, I really no chance of making it. And this was a huge win for the Giants. We'll get to these teams later in the show, but the Cowboys and Redskins both won. Uh, that improved their records. To both both of them are now seven and six. So the Giants didn't want to fall to seven and six into a three-way tie. They have a one-game lead over the Redskins and the Cowboys. They don't play either of those teams again. 
But the Giants have a real tough schedule going down the stretch. They have two two of their last three games are on the road. Next week they're going to be playing in Atlanta. They laid a stinker on Sunday against the Panthers, uh, but in the Georgia Dome, uh, Matty Ice and the, the Falcons are a very good team. Then they play at Baltimore. Baltimore is another troubling team. Uh, we talked about them last week, how I thought that they're just they're not as good as I think most people think they are. They got upset today by the Redskins on the road. They're a very good home team, so I think the Giants might have trouble in Baltimore. But that's a team that's definitely been struggling and, and going uh, going down, not not improving every week. And then to close the season, they're play, they play Philadelphia, which should be a win, but you never know. Uh, they actually Eagles actually won today behind Nick Foles, who gets, who's getting better every week. So not uh, an easy schedule at all for the Giants going forward. But nevertheless, with three games left, they have the one-game lead in the NFC East. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into analyzing some other action that took place during Week 14. Back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle, I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. If you want to get a hold of me and make a comment about our show, or if you have any questions, uh, you can tweet at me, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B. Send me an email at D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B-06 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, search Dave's Football News. Very quickly before we go around the NFL, I want to cover uh, the 1 o'clock game that I watched, the San Diego Chargers going into uh, Heinz Field in Pittsburgh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. San Diego had never won in the regular season against the Steelers in Pittsburgh, 0-14. And that was broken on Sunday. The Chargers come up with a huge upset. This game wasn't even close. The Steelers really uh, stunk up the place. And... The, the loss was only by 10, 34-24 was the final score, but at one point it was 34-10, uh, I believe. At one point it was actually 24-3, uh, 27-3 actually, excuse me. And um, just a, a real poor performance from a team that's fighting for one of the last playoff spots, the Steelers. And you can read all about it in uh, San Diego Chargers Upset Pittsburgh Steelers Hero Zero of the Game, written by Jeremy Tolomeo. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right, but that's one of the articles I'm referencing for this week. I think everybody's going to say that Big Ben really struggled in his return. Yeah, he wasn't sharp. He was a little rusty, especially in the first half. The second half, he, he came out and played much better. It was just they were in too big of a hole to come back from. But... The play, the skill players around him, uh, were, did not help him at all. Mike Wallace had a big drop that could have been a huge uh, gain. Uh, the Antonio Brown had a drop that could have it was a could have would have been a first down, a nice completion. Uh, the offensive line 
didn't it, it was it was okay, but didn't establish a running game at all. D- Jonathan Dwyer barely got going or didn't get going at all. Uh, Dwyer had only eight carries, but thirty-two yards. Uh, maybe you know Todd Haley basically abandoned the running game. It's hard to keep a running game going when you're behind by uh, you know, seventeen, twenty-four points, but no balance at all. No uh, no running game to help Ben out. Drop passes. This is one of the first times this year I've seen an opponent against the Steelers uh, completely dominate the time of possession. 36 minutes for San Diego. Um, and two turnovers for the Steelers. An interception thrown by Ben. Uh, I believe it was his first one at home this this season. Uh, that was in the second half where he actually w- was looking better. And the turnover there really cost him at the beginning of the um, second half, I guess it was midway through the third quarter uh, on the Steelers' first possession, Roethlisberger threw a backwards pass that hit the receiver in the, in the back, and it was a lateral fumble that San Diego uh, recovered in the end zone for a touchdown, and that, that put the game away, uh, basically put it away, and gave the Chargers the win. Um, for San Diego, very quickly, um, this was a really nice win for them. North Turner has been rumored that he's going to be fired. It was actually released from inside the Chargers organization that he is going to be let go at the end of this season. And his players responded. And he he the message that he sent to his players, hey, let's, let's go out and try to win a few of these last games. Let's win all four and go out on a good note. We can finish 500 at 8-8. Eight and eight. It really resonated with them. They went out and took it to the Pittsburgh Steelers, dominated this game. Yeah, Pittsburgh played horrible, but you got to give credit to the San Diego Chargers flying across the country to a place they had never won before in the regular season and, and got the job done against a team that should that should be hungry for the to, to make it into the playoffs. And one more note for, for the Steelers. I'm not exactly sure what the problem is, why it's so up and down this season for them. Uh, but they have such highs. This is last week, defeating Baltimore on the road with a backup or third-string quarterback. Now a low with Ben returning. Yeah, Ben didn't play great, but nobody. a lot of offensive players didn't play well. The offense was atrocious, you could say, in the first half. In the first half, yes. Um, to me, the, the I don't have the exact quote, but there was a quote by Ryan Clark after the Cleveland Brown loss that basically implied that some of the players might feel a little entitled or or the quote included something like it has to the work that we've done has to be earned you know we haven't won anything and a lot of players uh, are are resting on what we've done in the past and i don't know if he's speaking to some of the older players that have been there for a long time or if he's speaking to the new younger players but to me i think he might be speaking to the younger players like a mike wallace an Antonio Brown, a Richard Mendenhall, who has been, by the way, a healthy scratch the last two weeks and been replaced by guys that were drafted much later than the first round where he was drafted. Uh, Mike Wallace, in a contract year, huge dispute about his contract. Uh, people outside of Pittsburgh saying, how can you not pay this guy? Look what he's done this year. Yeah, he's his stats are okay, especially in this game. He, he ended up having a good statistical game. Uh, 112 yards receiving two touchdowns. Okay, yeah, that's going to get you 20 points in fantasy. 
But big whoop-de-doo. If he drops a ball that could get the offense going in the first half, then you know he's not a top-tier wide receiver. A ball that hits him in the hands, he's got to catch. And that's not the first drop he's had this year. He's had a bunch of drops. Um, and th- this continual mistake-prone type of uh, play from the Steelers has been their downfall this year and why they're on the they're still on the inside because of some other losses Sunday. They have the talent to be a good team, to be a Super Bowl caliber team, but they got to get rid of the the turnovers and the penalties and the mental lapses against teams that quite frankly aren't as talented or don't have as good of a record as them. But that's that's my last point on the Steelers. Moving on to other action from the NFL. Big win for Indianapolis against Tennessee at home. Had to come back. Andrew Luck did throw two more interceptions. He's tied with Drew Brees, as I mentioned, for the interception lead. I'm not going to make a big deal about that. I think other people, are, some people are going to say, oh, Andrew Luck is so good. He's such a great rookie. He's the next Peyton Manning. And then other people are going to be like, oh, my God, he's thrown the ball too much. Turnovers. It's somewhere in the middle. He's having a great rookie season. He's won nine games for a team last year that won two. And but and he's having a great year. Yeah, he's he's been mistake prone. You could say the last, especially the last couple of weeks has really been the interception rate has gone up. He's a rookie, yeah, and he's and they're winning, and he's gonna. It looks like that he's gonna take him to the playoffs, and he will get better. Every, he gets better every game, and, and he'll be better next year. I, I don't think, like last year when I when I saw Cam Newton's interception uh, total, that really stuck out to me. But um, to me, I think Andrew Luck throwing this many interceptions, especially with the amount of wins they're able to get, it, it doesn't bother me. Um, the Jets. I only bring up the Jets because they got a win against Jacksonville. Yeah, 6-7 and seven now. They're alive and well in the AFC. Cincinnati lost to Dallas 20 to 19 on a last second field goal as I said Pittsburgh lost. So Cincinnati and Pittsburgh are 7 and 6. The Jets at 6 and 7 are only a, uh, one game behind those teams and you know if they win their last 3 games could get in could get in the playoffs at 9 and 7 with some additional help with the Bengals and Steelers losing. Philadelphia Picked up its first win in the last eight weeks. Uh, beat Tampa Bay on a, on the last drive of the game. Won 23-21. Carolina took it to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, beat them 30-20. to The game really wasn't that close at halftime. Uh, the Falcons hadn't scored. Were being shut out. So it's just going to bring up more questions about really how good is this Atlanta team. Uh, they've already had a lot of... Um, skeptical people out there and it's just going to improve uh, that number of people or increase the number of of skeptics. Minnesota over Chicago. This is a game that uh, the result really surprised me. Adrian Peterson came out and had a great game against a a stout Chicago Bears defense. Vikings won 21-14. This was a must win for really both teams. Minnesota stays alive in the NFC North and, and in the NFC playoff picture. They're seven and six. The Chicago Bears, at one point seven and one, 
one of my favorite teams to watch and a team that I thought you know really could um, make some some a lot of noise and, and win the NFC North and get a bye maybe uh, and, and make a, a legit Super Bowl run. Now I think the Bears will be happy if they make the playoffs uh, and they're falling to eight and five. Play Green Bay next week. Uh, they're they're sinking pretty quickly. And another big upset, Washington defeated Baltimore in the Battle of the Beltway in overtime, 31-28. to I was expecting a high-scoring game. Neither one of these, uh, it's funny to say, but neither one of these teams have a fantastic defense. Washington gives up more passing yards than anybody else in the league. And for whatever reason, Baltimore likes to throw the ball, even though they have Ray Rice. Uh, and... I thought Robert Griffin III would be able to move the ball on the Ravens' defense. We've talked about how their rankings uh, aren't as high as they were last year or in years past. Washington tied the game 28-28 at the end of the, the end of regulation and then won an overtime 31-28. Of course, Robert Griffin III is injured. They don't know how long he'll be out yet. The Redskins in the thick of things in the NFC, and that's really going to hurt their chances of the playoffs if Robert Griffin III can, is going to miss a few weeks. Um, San Francisco, Colin Kaepernick still starting for them. Uh, got a big win, 27-13 uh, to 13 over the Miami Dolphins. And to uh, round out the Sunday's action, Seattle Seahawks forced eight turnovers against the sinking Arizona Cardinals. Seahawks topped them 58 to nothing. The Cardinals have lost nine straight games after starting 4-0. They are now 4-9. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with a little bit of a variation in the fourth and long segment. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. For our fourth and long segment this week, we're not going to really have a fourth and long segment. I'm going to uh, predict what I think is going to happen the last three weeks of the NFL. So, uh, you know, because you don't have enough material already to make fun of me for my prediction. So I figured I'd give you more material. Uh, the ESPN has this great invention on their website this thing called the playoff machine and it, it lists the remaining games left on the the NFL schedule for weeks 15 16 and 17 and you plug in who is going to win each game uh, each individual game uh, all, all 16 for each week and then it it seeds which teams are going to have which places in uh, the playoffs so I have gone ahead and plugged in who I'm gonna th- who I think is gonna win each game, and I and I'll I'll tell you what I got from this playoff machine. Of course, as of right now, uh, the Houston Texans still have to play the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football. If you're if you're listening on Monday, that game hasn't happened yet. So that could have a huge effect on where I put Houston and New England, but. 
in my playoff machine, the New England Patriots actually come out as the number one seed in the AFC, finishing 13-3. and I have them beating Houston. Again, that's tentative to what happens in that game, Houston visiting the Patriots on December 10th. Houston, I have them losing against New England, and I have them losing the last week of the season against the Colts. That's a game that's going to be in Indianapolis. Indianapolis is going to presumably probably still be fighting for a wild-card spot. Houston will have everything wrapped up. I don't see them playing all that hard, uh, especially if they beat New England. They won't have a reason to play. So I have Indianapolis winning at home against the Texans. Houston falls to the two seed at 13-3. and three. Denver, is. I got them at the three seed. I have them winning out and also finishing 13-3. and three. I have them, the one of their toughest games left, week 15, they're going to play the Baltimore Ravens, and I have them de- defeating the Ravens. I actually have Baltimore, who at this point is 9-4. and four. Uh, At one point they were 9-2. and two. I have them finishing the season at 10-6. and six. Still have them getting the AFC North uh, kind of by default because I, I have uh, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh losing a couple more games. Obviously, both of them lost on Sunday. And um, to round out the AFC, Indianapolis is going to get that fifth seed. They're in a pretty good spot right now at 9-4. and four. I have them losing the first time to Houston, but then winning their last two games to finish 11-5. and five. They get that, that first wild card spot, and they would actually play in Baltimore, where they, uh, the, the original place where the Colts play. That would be an interesting matchup. We saw that playoff matchup a few years ago. I believe it was 2006. And that sixth seed, I have the Steelers getting that, uh, falling into that spot. I said that Cincinnati could could get that sixth seed. The Jets are still alive for it as well. Those are really the only three teams that could get the sixth spot. Um, but really what this comes down to, I don't think the Jets really have a, a real good shot at this. Uh, what it comes down to is the Week 16 matchup when Cincinnati visits Pittsburgh. And even though Pittsburgh played so bad against the Chargers, I think the Steelers at home against the the division rival Bengals, if Ben gets back into rhythm, Pittsburgh can win that game and we'll have the tiebreaker over Cincinnati and Pittsburgh can lose a game like to say Dallas uh, next week or even drop one to Cleveland last week if they beat Dallas and Cincinnati. And Pittsburgh can get in at 9-7 and seven is what I have them at their final record and get the sixth seed over Cincinnati. Over in the NFC, this is where it gets interesting. NFC, still really wide open. Uh, I have Atlanta wrapping up the number one seed. I have them losing one more time. Actually, I'm going to have the, I have the Giants going into Atlanta next week and beating them. Uh, that was a tough game to pick for me. But Atlanta gets the one seed at 13-3. and three. Green Bay. I have them finishing out the season with three more wins, and they're going to be 12-4. and four. I have them defeating Chicago in Chicago uh, next week. They have, uh, to me, Chicago has just been struggling too much. Even with Jay Cutler back, they, they haven't been the same since that 49er loss on Monday Night Football. So... You'll, you'll see, as I explain this, I don't have Chicago in the playoffs. And some people are probably going to be surprised that I have 
San Francisco not getting that first round bye. I gave it to Green Bay, or this playoff machine gave it to Green Bay. But look at who San Francisco has to play. They have to go to New England next week, which New England doesn't lose in December. They very rarely lose at home. Even though I like the way the 49ers play, I'm going to take Tom Brady in that game. So that's a loss for the 49ers. And then the following week, they go to Seattle. And they play a a surging Seahawks team. A really tough uh, place to play in Seattle. I have Seattle winning that game. So rounding out the division winners, I got the Giants at 11-5. They'll get the three seed as I have the Giants winning those tough road games we talked about in Atlanta, in Baltimore, to, to get to 11-5 and five, and the, the NFC East crown. I have Seattle. Right now, they're 8-5. and five. I have them winning their last three games, a big game against the 49ers, and they're going to be 11-5 and, and and win the NFC West. The 49ers, because of that tie, they don't get the NFC West. They, they'll finish 10-5-1, and one, uh, is what my playoff machine tells me. And for that last wildcard spot, I don't have the Bears. I don't have the Cowboys. I have the Washington Redskins at 10-6. and six. It was tough for me to, to pick some of the Redskins games. They have to go to Philadelphia, which Philadelphia showed signs of improvement uh, this week. And Philadelphia is still a tough place to play, uh, especially for a young team like the Redskins. They have to go to Cleveland. Cleveland is a lot better and pl- than people think. They, pl- that's, they play hard every single week. And on the road, again, uh, tough for a young team. And if they don't have Robert Griffin III next week, could be a tough, tough game. And then to end the season, it's Dallas coming into Washington. It's at home for the Redskins, but that could decide the last wildcard spot in the NFC if Dallas wins um, that game, if they win certain games against Pittsburgh and other games, then um, it could be Dallas at a sixth seed. But from what from what I picked, I, I I think the Redskins can win out and get that sixth seed. I would I would say the biggest surprise to me when I put in my results in the games the the biggest surprise definitely was the, that San Francisco fell all the way to the fifth seed and Seattle ended up winning the NFC West but I, I won't be surprised if San Francisco can go to New England and win um, well that's definitely a game that we'll talk about on next week's sh- show but I, I will be impressed to say the least and I'll even be impressed if they go into Seattle and win that game, especially if Colin Kaepernick is still is still playing. An inexperienced quarterback on the road against a tough opponent, tough divisional opponent. It'll be a tough win to get for the 49ers. And right now, I got the Seahawks winning that game. So that rounds up uh, the playoff seedings. We'll take one more quick break, and then we'll come back and wrap up today's show. And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. I'm going to reference one more article on FootballNation.com by Corey Schneider. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right, Corey. NFL players, Goodell, there's only one way to get us on board with your rule changes. uh, The article talks about 
the several of the rule changes that uh, Goodell has has made during his tenure as commissioner, the proposing uh, trade, uh, proposing um, rule changes that he's now making. The biggest one is his idea in taking out kickoffs altogether in the game of football. And uh, we'll get in. We'll we'll bring this up next week. We're we're pretty much out of time right now. But Goodell, that would be a huge, huge rule change to take out kickoffs uh, altogether. It, with the rule change, it would be actually a lot easier to to try an onside kick or presume to to try and get the ball um, back. Um, off of the kickoff, what while you're kicking off, uh, or giving the ball to um, the other team, and, and it eliminates certain roles um, that exist in football today. It's certain special teams roles, the guys that only play on kickoffs, um, return special return men like Joshua Cribs, Devin Hester. Yes, they return punts too, uh, but they they're really special on kickoffs, and I think. It's such a big part of the game, kickoffs. We saw today in the Giants-Saints uh, game how important it was that David Wilson got all those return yards for the Giants to change the game. And to take this out, I think, I don't agree with it. But we'll get into a more of a detailed discussion on next week's show. Well, thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a good week. In the meantime, till next time, I'm going to go try and find some peace in my mind. <laughs>